Welcome in to episode 29 of the At The Yard podcast. Today, Ryan Ozella and Steve Doherty will join me to break down the area code games and take a dive into the updated class of 2020 player rankings. Stay tuned for the At The Yard podcast coming up next. Welcome back to the At The Yard podcast. I am pumped to have Steve Doherty and Ryan Ozella join me. We're going to jump into the area code games, upper class, underclass, and take a little dive into the new updated class of 2020 rankings. Before we get started, Doe, Ryan, how you guys doing? Good, man. Everything is well. It's good to get a get a break uh, after the area code games and, and rolling into the fall season, but uh, it's good to get to talk about these guys again uh, from the area code games because you, you get a little downtime and you get to... Um, really think about what what you saw. So excited to do this today. Yeah, area codes were a blast. That was a great week, and uh, now these rankings, we definitely got a chance to to really understand who these players were over the summer and uh, before this fall. Kind of gets another look at them, but uh, the rankings are going to be a good part for us to talk about as well. Excited. Yeah, no, I like what you said there. You know, we were fortunate enough to also have the USA Baseball Trials here, so we got a, a kind of an extended look on some of those guys as well. So, uh, you know, that was uh, that was pretty fun. So the area code games, obviously, upper class uh, is a Monday through Friday deal. Underclass was Saturday through Monday. Uh, underclass got, I believe, four games in in those three days. Um, and the upper class guys, I believe they also played four games, uh, if I'm not mistaken. In, in five days uh, with each team getting a day off. They do BP, um, all sorts of fun stuff like that. Great, great environment. Uh, and then for us, the class of 2020 rankings are kind of a culmination of the summer, like you talked about, Ryan. We updated them in May, uh, and then we let the summer kind of play out. We saw a lot of these guys, uh, not only here locally, but we saw them on a national level uh, compete against some of the national guys as well. Uh, and so those were released here just a couple of days ago. So we're going to dive right into that. And you know, let's start with the upper class guys with the uh, the A's and the Brewers, the A's representing NorCal uh, and the Brewers uh, representing SoCal. And, and for me, one of the guys uh, that had probably one of the biggest summers and it's still going with Team USA and uh, you know it's a guy from Northern California who you know has just kind of been on this meteoric rise if you will since last summer that's Tyler Soderstrom the UCLA commit uh, we saw him up at the NorCal Pro Case before the start of kind of the summer everything for him uh, and, and Doe I'm not sure if you had seen him before or not uh, but what if you hadn't seen him you, you know you, you were able to see him not only at area codes but also at the USA trials and what are your impressions of this guy? A big leaguer. I mean, this guy is is uh, the meteoric rise uh, is is real. And um, I did get to see him at the underclass um, last year, and then obviously the upper class this year. And it kind of continued and rolled into the USA trials. and And he's doing his thing at the worlds right now. So, I mean, I'll let Ryan hit on this, but um, you want to talk about a a, a a guy that's that's going to be a big leaguer. I just I just can feel that he's got feel um, with everything he does. The bat is real. The power is there, and um, you know, great job as far as you know, moving him up to number three on our rankings. Ryan, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's one of those guys who's uh, he's been steady and consistent. Um, a guy who was on the underclass team last year was hitting there, um, and that hit tool is really what's going to continue to carry him. Uh, it's one of those things that when he was at the area codes, it, it really exploded. Um, all summer, it's kind of really exploded against really top pitching, uh, and that's why he's risen as much as he has is because he's doing it against these top guys, uh, not only in the summer uh, in California, but across the nation. Um, and that's one of those things that's fun to see about a guy like that. Um, and to continue to get better and better. Um, you know, he's one of those catchers, but for us, I think we have four in the top 10 or three in the top 10 in the state rankings. Um, and all three of those guys are really good. You know, my first look at one of those guys was Kevin Parada this summer um, at the area codes. And that was another guy that I had not seen, but who really kind of jumped on the scene for me. And I know you guys have seen him a lot more down there. So what's your guys kind of take on Kevin Parada? Yeah, Parada, I, 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 this was my real first true kind of extended look at him, seeing him over and over, so to speak, you know, not only at the tryouts, but throughout the summer. Uh, I thought Parada was a, you know, no-brainer for for the uh, trials team or for over at trials, but, uh, you know, they had another idea there. But, I mean, he was, to me, it seemed like every time he hit the ball at the area code games, he just, I mean, he, he was hitting seeds, right? I mean, he had the top exit velocity of 103, only beat out by Soderstrom at 104, but the catch and throw was, was just really good. And it seemed like every time he came up to bat, it was just consistent and loud, hard contact, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what a catching class we have in this top 10. And I'll roll it over and, and then pass it to Ryan regarding Daniel Susak, another one of the guys that I hadn't seen really before. And and, uh, and what a great summer this guy has had. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, Susak, another guy that, you know, the big league arm already. Um, the bloodlines are there. Uh, I would have loved to have seen him at area codes and kind of put all three of those together on the same team to see who's, you know, who's there um, and kind of compare and contrast them a little bit. But yeah, Susak was a stud at our pro case up here in NorCal has been uh, killing it for Jesuit this last couple of years and is going to continue doing it this coming spring. Uh, it's going to be a great class. It's one of those ones. I think our 2020 catchers group is really, really deep. Um, it's probably got, I think 12 or 10 guys on the, in the rankings. Um, and that's, that's huge for us. It showcases how much the talent is, is continuing to grow for the catcher's position. Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because something that I find really interesting was about four years ago, five years ago, I had a high school coach tell me, you know, that kids are figuring out that catching might be the quickest way towards a college scholarship. And now you're kind of starting to seeing that manifest itself, right? So you're seeing athletes playing behind the dish, whereas normally we didn't you didn't see that a lot, right? And now you got guys like like a Parada, like a Soderstrom, like a Suzak, you know, these guys behind the dish that I mean they look like you know, in some cases, you know, they look like college safeties, right? You got Cole Carey, who's also a catcher, uh, coming in at number 23 in the rankings, who was also at the uh, area code uh, games for NorCal. And, and you know, he is a basketball player who can dunk. Like, I've seen a video of him dunk on a breakaway. So uh, really intriguing with the catching class um, in, in California. But let's kind of hit – let's head back to, to – let's stay on the – on the SoCal side and and a guy who I think 
um, you know, coming out of the the tryout, the Brewers tryout. I mean, there were some questions whether, uh, you know, he had a legitimate chance to make the team. And not only did he make the team, but man, he had just an incredible week. And Ryan, I'm not sure if you'd seen him before, but talking about Isaiah Green, the outfielder out of Corona, I know Doe has plenty on him, but I wanted to get your take, Ryan, quickly on, on Isaiah Green and what you saw from him. Yeah, Isaiah was my first look at Isaiah Green, and uh, he's a true center fielder, man. He's got plus speed, uh, closes on the ball really easily. I think that was one of the things that stood out to me the most all week um, was the defense that he was constantly putting out there. Uh, you know, he's making plays in left. He's making plays in center. Uh, that's the type of thing that any de- uh, any type of defense is going to be better because of that. Uh, pitchers love having guys out in the outfield that are going to go and get the ball for him like that. And uh, not only that, but the bat kind of really came around. Uh, he hit some balls really, really hard during BP, was really on it, squaring things up. Uh, but I was really impressed with him. And to see that he's one of those guys that's uncommitted in our top rankings, um, you know, that's impressive to see that there's there's probably a lot of schools still talking with him and trying to figure out where he's going to fit best. Um, but he's a guy that I think should be should definitely be committed here pretty quickly. Yeah, I, Ryan, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that last at the beginning regarding, you know, Isaiah, because, you know, he'd be the first to admit, I think, that he just didn't have a great uh, tryout up there at Westmont up in Santa Barbara. And, and, and boy, what I th- and what I think the Brewers saw was always the athleticism, the tools they play. You know, I think overall on a pro scale, you know, he's got an average arm, but, but every, every other tool plays i mean it's and then when he got to the area code games i mean they just couldn't get this kid out and he kind of rolled it through the area code games and was hidden and hidden and then you know playing for the brewer scout team as well they got a chance to match up with the under 18 usa team and he was he was hitting against that pitching too so um you know just just high ceiling a lot of potential with isaiah, isaiah green and he really put his name on the map as far as you know, the 2020 draft is concerned as far as I'm concerned uh, yeah, no, on that no point. Doubt. No doubt. I, I want to stay there, though, because, you know, kudos to the, the scouts from the Brewers and all the other teams that, that selected that team, right? Because they obviously have a history there with Isaiah, who, you know, was on the underclass team last year. And so kudos to those guys for putting some faith in 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 Isaiah and giving them that chance because he certainly rewarded them uh, in that. You know, then I don't know if you saw, but his dad tweeted something out. They he was playing out in Fenway Park, which I thought was pretty awesome. I'm not sure what that what that uh, part was a part of, but that, I thought that was was pretty sweet. And uh, you know, let's shift over. Let's shift over to to Northern California guys, and and one of the guys who. Uh, I know Ryan, you had talked about you know during the spring heading into the postseason, and and though we've seen his cousin down here quite a bit, who really blew up is Carson Yates. Man, kid kind of came out of nowhere, freak athlete, high school quarterback. I know we've touched on him a little bit already, but uh, you know. I thought he was, to me, one of the biggest eye-openers. And then now you're hearing about some of the schools that are you know, actively recruiting him, and it makes a lot of sense. Joe, what would you see out of, out of Carson Yates? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him, too, because he was a standout. I mean, athleticism uh, it just oozes out of this guy. And uh, I was super impressed. Honestly, the first time I've ever seen him play. And, you know, small sample size there. But you can really kind of see the tools, see the athleticism. The, the run tool's real. He's got a great arm. You know that because he, you know, he's a quarterback. Uh, he's a dual option quarterback at his high school, Ryan. Obviously, you know this. You're going to get a treat this year watching this kid play. 
Yeah, and he was one of those guys during the spring with my CCS focus coverage that uh, jumped out to me. It was one of those games where you know I was going to see some other guys, and uh, he he was the one that stood out more than all those other guys. And it was one of those ones where the physicality, like we've all talked about, it's there. I mean, he's six three, six four, two hundred pounds, moves easy. Um, you know, he's a plus runner. I've had him have some double plus times down the line. Um, and it's not one of those ones where it's full effort. It's, it's a glide down the line. Um, and he uses it in the outfield as well, covers on the ball. Um, he's the type of guy that I feel like is the ceiling is, is really tremendously high. Um, and if he gets to all those tools, you know, that, that that's going to be a really, really solid ball player that can go in and pretty much change a program. In my opinion, if he can reach all the tools that he's got. Um, so that's one of those guys that to see him uncommitted. And like you said, Les, he's talking to a lot of different schools, um, wanting to try and play a little bit of both. And, um, I think he's got, I think the world is kidding. He's going to be a good one to watch in 2020. Yeah. And, and, you know, his cousin down here, Evan Yates in, in the 21 classes is, is kind of following that same path. So, uh, it's pretty exciting to see, uh, you know, what we saw from Carson Yates and, you know, uh, he jumps up to number 71 in the 2020 rankings. And, you know, another guy that, that made a pretty good jump was, uh, Nick York out of, out of NorCal, out of our, uh, Mitty high school, Arizona commit, uh, the infielder, uh, showed really well at our pro case, you know, had a pretty good summer circuit and came out to the area code games. And, and though I can't remember, I'm sure you saw him last year at the underclass uh, games as well. Uh, but, you know, this guy, uh, to me, has some some serious tools on the infield. Don't know if he stays at shortstop, but I sure as the heck uh, am not going to be the one to tell him that uh, he's not going to have that opportunity. Sure, I think he will stay at shortstop as far as his high school team's concerned at the next level. You know, he may be able to transition over to second base, and that's, you know, he played both at, at the area code games this year. And you're right, I, I have seen him now for a couple of years. Ryan's seen him obviously more than I have, but, you know, strength is, is really and athleticism is really what stands up for me regarding Nick and, um, you know, high level bat to ball guy. And it's just, you know, plays with his hair on fire, really like his, you know, attitude and his composure out there in the field. I know that maybe he may have some, you know, questions regarding the arm. If he's had a previous surgery, I'm, I'm not too sure, but, um, you know, as far, when I take a look at the full package there, I see, I see a big leaguer as well in Nick York, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, he's a ball player, man. He's one of those guys that, you know, for two years now that I've been up here and covering it, um, he's one of those guys I'd love to go see play just because he loves to play the game. Uh, I think the personality is really the, the sell point for him. Um, he's the type of kid who's on the field. He's a grinder. He loves getting his teammates going. Um, the tools are obviously there, and that's, you know, one of those things that we always talk about. The tools have to be there, but some of that off the, uh, off the field tools are just as big. And for him, that's one of those ones that's going to help carry him. Uh, I agree with you guys. I think shortstop right now is going to be fine as he continues to work in the arm. Uh, I saw him in center field during the spring, and I think he might be even able to stick out there. Uh, so he's the type of guy that, you know, play around the infield, play some outfield. Uh, who knows, maybe get him behind the plate a little bit and showcase some of that athleticism. But the bat-to-ball skills are, you know, tremendous, and he's going to continue to do that. Um, and, and he's a guy that is going to continue, I think, to keep raising, going up these rankings a little bit higher. Yeah, and and, and I, I agree with you 100% on that. I just think that the fluidity with which he plays that position is really intriguing, and that's why I'm not ready to say you're you're not a shortstop in the future. But talking about going high in the rankings, you, you can't go higher than number one, and we have a new number one in the newly updated rankings. And, you know, it's Pete Crow Armstrong out of Harvard-Westlake, the outfielder, the center fielder, uh, had just an okay 
just just an okay by his standards um, area code games. Uh, and I know that you know we've all seen plenty of him. And so Ryan, I'll start. I'll start with you. Uh, you know he's obviously tearing it up now with Team USA. Uh, you know out in uh, South Korea, but uh, he, he he just had an okay. Uh, kind of end of the high school season where we saw him at Dodger Stadium, though, and then that's kind of trickled into the area code games. But nonetheless, he is an elite level talent. Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the like you said, the elite uh, tools are there. Um, he's the type of guy that's going to continue to get better. Um, you can see it right now with him playing at the level he's playing at with Team USA. I mean, some of the catches he's making going over fences to grab balls. Um, that's big league type of stuff right there. And the bat's going to be there as well. Uh, I really think the bat was just one of those ones. He was kind of pressing a little bit at times. Um, but at the end of the day, you can see the the skills. BP was one of those ones. He was rocking in balls, left side, right side, uh, hit a couple over the fence. Um, the defense I think is going to be really good in center field with the arm being able to stick out there as well. Yeah. He's a guy that it, it makes sense for him to be number one. Uh, and I know that, you know, um, Rody and, and Shooter are also talking about how big he is for for the national level as well. So uh, I, I completely see it, and I, I'm glad you guys get to see him all spring. That's going to be some fun coverage right there. Yeah, I mean, human highlight film right now. This guy's you know watching these games online, and it's, it's just you know unbelievable. He's take, bringing balls back. <laughs> the athleticism is crazy, and 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 you know talking about the Erico games, and I think he'd probably be the first to admit that he didn't have a great. Uh, area code games but you know small sample size and i really think at the end of the day i don't think it bothers him and so um you know getting getting to see him work now for the past few years is you know just he carries himself uh, tremendously I, I don't think he really gets too high or too low understands the ebbs and flows of this game and um you know, you watch this kid taking BPs. Just he just looks like a big leaguer. He's smooth. He hits tall fields. He's he's working things uh, in the cage. So you know, small sample size in, in one tournament, I, I don't think matters. It doesn't matter to me. Um, he deserves to be where he is on on these rankings, and just it's going to be pretty sweet to watch this guy play this year. Last, what do you think? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we there's a three year track record there. But I, I just want to share one quick story from when I was at the USA Trials. I was standing just on the outside of the fence of the first base dugout over at Fullerton College, and the entire coaching staff is sitting in seats right in front of me. And Pete comes up with one out and a guy on second base. It's in the inner squad. Um, and he's facing, I can't remember who the arm is, but it's like 92-93. And he, he falls behind 0-2. And Jack Leggett, the head coach of the team, who's former Clemson head coach, is like, all right, Petey, you know, you got a job to do. You know, do your job. So he fouls one off, and Leggett's getting fired up. He takes a ball, uh, fouls another one off, takes another ball, says so 2-2. And, and now Leggett's, you know, fired up. And he's just kind of like, you know, come on, Petey, like, do your job. And the entire time, Pico Armstrong doesn't look at him, but instead he's looking right at the gap where he needs to hit the ball. And he every time he, like, nods at him. So finally a 2-2 pitch is like the seventh or eighth pitch, and he smokes one right past the second baseman for an RBI single. I mean, it, it brought Leggett up out of his seat. You know, it pumped up the team. It was just pretty neat. So it's like you talked about that baseball IQ, though, and it's just – I mean, it's off the charts for that guy. and So, well, again, it makes sense him being number one in the state, and I think he's actually number one in the country too now uh, in, in the class. So that, that's pretty awesome uh, for Pete Crow Armstrong. But let's move on to uh, another guy who has just been lights out since the end of the high school season where he led Santa Margarita to uh, the D2 title. 
uh, you know, Milan Tolentino. And Ryan, I know you saw him last year at the underclass, and and Doe, you've seen him a bunch. Uh, just like you know, I've had the for- good fortune of seeing him a bunch. But I mean, he's he's risen all the way to number five, and you know, with the luck of an injury to Ed Howard, he's pretty much the starting shortstop on the 18U team uh, and is you know doing really, really well for them. And, I mean, I think this is a guy that doesn't want baseball to be over right now. Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, I think you're, what you're talking about right there is a guy who loves to play the game, and you can see it in the way he goes about it. Um, the defense is one of those ones during the area code games that really stood out. Um, type of guy who's going to stick at the sixth spot college MLB whichever one you want to stay he, I mean he's going to be a guy who's going to stick there uh, making all the throws and, and he does it with ease it's one of those guys where you saw some balls hit and you're like oh that might be a hit and then all of a sudden you see Milan going through and grabbing it and making the throws and uh, not putting any real uh, real hard effort into it and still making easy play, making those tough plays look easy um, I thought the bat looked really good staying inside the ball a lot uh, he's a guy that to me I still think can get better with the bat um, I think there's still some more growth there and if that's the case I mean you're talking about a big league or very easily with the skills that he had at the defensive level uh, another guy i'm glad you guys get to see him as much as you guys do because uh it's one of those ones where it's fun to watch a guy like that won't go out and play hard yeah i couldn't agree with, with you more and um you know we've seen him now for three years and he's just a performer uh, this guy performs at at, uh, at any anywhere he is you know big elite competition uh you know playing against his high school and inner squad uh, you know, uh, th- there's going to be questions w- with the bat. And, you know, I, w- I want to bring up kind a kind of a comp. What I kind of see him as is a guy that, he, I mean, this kid could flat out hit like like a Wade Boggs. He uses the whole field. And, yeah, he runs into balls. He can hit the ball out. And, you know, he d- displays his power. But I really think he's more of a complete type of ball player. I mean, you want to talk about super utility guy in in the big leagues every every day utility type of player i mean you could stick him anywhere and he'll be fine and he'll he'll figure it out and he'll do it with some with some grace and class and and he's and his baseball iq is just just off the charts less oh yeah it's 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 really really fun to watch you know and the bloodlines are there his dad you had a cup of coffee in the big leagues and is around the game and you know he was the number one pick of of the Mexican League in their draft this year, which is kind of random, but uh, that was it. He, he was the number one pick in that draft, which is pretty funny. Uh, but another guy who's got his, his eyes set on being some team's number one pick uh, for me is a guy that is – uh, you know, arguably the best pitcher in the state, and I think his ranking justifies that at number two. Uh, Kyle Harrison out of De La Salle, another UCLA commit, just like uh, Tolentino uh, before him there. Uh, and Harrison, I've had a chance to see him now a few times, and and every time it's just it's just wow i mean it just it's impressive right i mean he doesn't seem to do things with a lot of effort uh and he gets the results uh of somebody that does do things with a lot of efforts uh you know it's just really really impressive and doe i think you saw him last year as well uh and you know we got got to see him again this year but what's your take on harrison and you know ryan i'd really love for you to break him down for us as somebody who's seen him more than uh doe and i have yeah, I'll just hit really quick on it. I did see him last year at the at the underclass, and you know, talk about gains and obviously shooting up our rankings to number two and, and well deserved. Six two, two hundred pounds with a, a ton of more growth. Four pitch mix, throw up for strikes. Great competitor. I mean, just 
I mean, the, the package. I mean, you want to talk about the draft. I mean, you're going to talk about this guy in the 2020 draft, obviously. Um, so, Ryan, I mean, give me some more. Yeah, I think you're right right there. Um, I, I think I said this internally a couple times earlier in the spring that I thought he was the best pitcher in California. Um, and it's kind of shown. It's, you know, this summer he went out. Uh, he carved uh, the fastball is 89, 92. Um, I think it's probably going to be working 92, 94, probably by spring, uh, maybe not by spring, but by draft time, especially. Uh, he's got more in the tank, I think, as he continues to get stronger. Uh, the slider's are an out pitch right now. Uh, the curveball is more of just a show pitch, but at the end of the day, it can it can fool some guys. And then the changeup as well. Um, so like you mentioned, Doe, it's a four-pitch mix. Uh, the run on the fastball uses it on both sides of the plate. Um, he's a guy that is just tough to square up. And you can see that when he's going against top guys and, you know, the area codes. I mean, he went uh, shoved against the Brewers and all these guys that we were talking about high on this rankings. And he just went right after him, um, carving up. Uh, and that's the type of thing that he continues to do right now. Team USA, I know he went yesterday and, and shoved again. Um, that's just kind of who he is. He loves being on the mound and being that bulldog and being the guy who's, who's a stud up there. Uh, and I'm really excited to see him again this spring. I got to see him last spring, uh, this summer, uh, maybe, you know, a little bit more here in the fall, but he'll probably shut it down after USA. Uh, so next, this spring is going to be a really fun time to get a chance to watch him as well. Yeah, I'm really glad you guys brought up the four-pitch mix because at the USA Trials when he was pitching, he went all fastballs, 87 to 91, and I think he gave up one hit, hit a batter, got a double play, got a punch out, got out of it. All fastballs. It was like the coolest thing to see because here's these guys just going, you know, as hard as they can, and and here comes Harrison. He's just going 87, 91, all fastballs, and it was just – it was awesome, and he just dealt, right? I mean, it's he's, in my mind, you know, unquestionably the the best pitcher in the state, uh, you know, given the fact that he, you're right. I mean, he probably will be 94 by draft time, but it's also that he's from the left side, and he's got that sort of command. I, I think the command you're talking about is huge for him. Being able to move the fastball both sides of the plate, um, that allows him to go out there and, like you said, and, and just dominate with the fastball. Uh, that's one of those pitchers that you want to have on the mound is those guys who can go out there with the fastball. Um, if you can command the fastball, everything else becomes fun and easy because then you're, the hitters don't know what's going on at them. Uh, so for him to be able to command the fastball with the run that he's got and the life up through the zone, uh, that's that's tough to hit. And then when he brings in that slider late at you, um, good luck. I mean, he was putting some back footers on the righties, and I know he bent a couple on uh, Tolentino and even on uh, Pete Crow Armstrong that had them both kind of – I know he had one on, Crow, on Pete Crow Armstrong that sent him spinning through on, looking like a top. And, you know, that's what that slider will do to some of those guys, especially at this level. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's definitely a pretty special, special pitch and pretty special arm. Uh, you know, I think another arm that that we'll, we'll touch on a couple more pitchers here uh, just to stay with the theme, if you will, uh, of UCLA, um, you know, at least with the next guy, you know, Max Ratchick. Uh, a guy, obviously, Doe, you and I have seen a ton, um, you know, and uh, Ryan, you got to see last last year at the underclass, uh, and then obviously this year, uh, he too is pitching for Team USA, uh, doing a fantastic job. Uh, here's a guy who, another UCLA commit, he looks like physically, like he's starting to kind of transform his body from the, the you know, early teen awkwardness if you will of being like you know kind of the the soft body to he's, he's stronger he's more physical now uh and you're starting to see that and you know certainly on the mound and 
Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you since uh, you know you have only seen it him uh, in kind of limited viewings. But what do you got on Max Ratchik? Yeah, Ratchik's a guy. You know, I did see him in spring when they came up here to play Valley Christian, uh, and he shoved up here as well um, at area codes. He was that type of guy again. Uh, you know, talking about commanding the fastball. Uh, that's what he did. He just went out and, and pounded the zone with the fastball. Then all of a sudden, brought brought in the curveball late. Um, he's the type of guy that I agree with you. The body's starting to transform a little bit more. It's starting to get tightened. Uh, it's getting the add, added strength. Uh, another guy, I feel like he's got some more left in the arm. Uh, he might be 92, 94 again by draft time. Uh, it's the type of body that's going to continue to get better. And geez, UCLA have it. If they can get both those guys to campus, I mean, that's, that's huge. That's a transformation right there. Uh, I don't know that it's going to happen, but you got to keep dreaming with those types of school, uh, with that school right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. And, um, you know, we've seen this guy for, you know, three years now less. And I mean, has this guy stopped? I I don't know. But, you know, I think and he just competes and he's a bulldog competitor and he gets out there and he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And uh, and I love it. And and I hope, you know, after this 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 team usa thing he, he gets a chance to maybe settle down and and i know he's tinkering with some of his mechanics and his land leg and there's some stuff there to be kind of corrected and you know just just a treat to watch uh you, you want to see this kid stay healthy especially into his senior year so he can you know put it all out there on tape and just see what happens by by the draft time i just i want to see this kid healthy because it's an electric arm yeah, it, it's that it is, and and another electric arm that we got to see at the area code games is uh, you know Jared Jones. Obviously, a very very busy summer for all of these guys, and and Jared seemed to be you know one of those guys that that was the busiest with you know traversing the country a couple times. Uh, but yeah, you know Jones came out was ninety three, touched to ninety five, ninety three, ninety four. The slider was good. A little bit of command issues there uh, in his outing. Uh, in his first two innings but again the slider you know is a plus pitch the changeup at 85 to 87 is a pretty ridiculous pitch uh ryan i know uh you've now seen him a couple of times but uh you know that pitch the changeup could prove to be the difference maker uh for him come next june yeah absolutely and i think he sells it really really well um, that heaviness that you talk about just late just throws it and uh, about halfway through just dives underneath bat- bats um, he's definitely got the package right there. One of the things I was impressed with was some of his BP as well during the area codes. Uh, was definitely swinging it type of guy who I know we talk about uh, two-way guys. Um, he's probably one of those ones that ends up being a pitcher in the long run. But, man, you got to love the athleticism that he br- brings out there on the mound. And, uh, man, you guys just get some treats up there with his top ten that we've gotten guys up there uh, that are going to go out and, uh, you know, during the spring be guys that you see on a pretty weekly basis. This is going to be fun for you guys again all spring. I couldn't agree more, Ryan. And you know, regarding Jared Jones, and, and less what we've seen him in the spring. I mean, he's up and he was painting black at ninety-nine in one of his, you know, um, playoff games. And then, and then he came to our pro case, and he was ninety-seven. So, and then you obviously saw some of the command issues in some of these, you know, bigger games. And I think he was a little frustrated with himself because he's because he's a great competitor. And, and and what we saw wasn't really typical of of jared jones and i think maybe he caught a little bit of you know might be a little bit tired he's just been playing for so long uh never taking any breaks and 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 i think that i think he was a great decision for him not to you know go with the usa team it would just you know i just don't know the workload on the arm 
uh, and, and his body right now. I just think he needs that rest, that recovery, and, and to get stronger. What do you think? I, I, I agree with you. I think not only did he need it physically, but I think he needed it mentally and emotionally as well. Uh, you know, he the, the guy just went through a lot this summer. Uh, you know, not only with the travel and baseball, but personally as well. So uh, it was good to see him. And Brian, I'm glad you brought up the bat because that's going to really extend any pro career he's got, I think, because, you know, it, it, they're obviously going to take him as a pitcher, uh, I would imagine. Uh, you know, you don't not you don't pass up arms that touch 99 I guess is what I'm trying to get at and and you know and if that doesn't work out well he's athletic enough to play the outfield and he showed that by making a rangy play to his right playing left field and then making a rangy play to his left playing right field during the week uh, that really showed some athleticism that you're talking about right yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a couple, uh, he put some throws right on bags. Obviously the arms, a, a plus arm out in the outfield as well. Um, it was one of those ones in BP. He was crushing balls, uh, in game. He kind of got a little bit long with the bat, but Hey, that's one of those ones that he can shorten that up and keep working on it. And like he said, if he puts that full time as something that he puts into it, you know, maybe there's some jumps there as well. Uh, but you're right. When someone's touching 99 paint and black with it, uh, it's one of those ones that he, he's an arm for sure right now, but, uh, you gotta love the athleticism he puts out there. Yeah, no doubt. And and again, like just like every other podcast, we could sit here and talk about every guy uh, in depth, but uh, we won't do that today. But there, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about these next couple of guys. And then I want you guys to, you know, if there's somebody that we didn't touch on to, to bring up. And for me, the first guy is uh, Jacob Gonzalez out of Glendora, the shortstop third baseman that's headed to Ole Miss. Uh, you know, Doe, I know we've seen him several times. And Ryan, I think this might have been your first viewing on him, uh, but absolutely lit it up at the at the uh, tryout and, you know, did OK, I suppose, uh, at the area code games. But there's a body of work there and a frame, most importantly, uh, and some tools that uh, really project. Ryan, what did you see from Jacob Gonzalez? Yeah, a guy, like you said, my first look at him, um, one of those guys that I really liked on the left side of the diamond, uh, can really play up there, uh, made some great plays defensively, but I, I think the bat's going to be one of those ones that really helps carry this kid. Uh, he was smoking balls. He was on a lot of pitches. It was one of those guys where you're talking about putting together quality at bats. He was one of those ones who consistently did that, uh, finding barrels, battling off tough pitches, uh, making it tough for pitchers to try and extend themselves, and especially in outings where they're only going two, maybe three innings. Uh, you know, I know a couple guys maybe worked four but uh, he made it tough for those pitchers and when he was out on defense he was helping his guys out uh, I really liked it and I think there's still some more upside you guys got another one to get, uh, another middle infielder right there uh, to go look at that down there for you guys yeah I, I couldn't agree more two sport athlete a quarterback as well and you obviously know that there's more in the tank here and, I, and you know he hasn't been going baseball full-time but when he does I could just see him making that 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 next jump as well and I'm glad you talked about the quality of bats, Ryan, because that's exactly what he was taking for, you know, all the all the looks that I got him uh, this summer. Just quality of bats puts the puts the bat on the ball, uh, plays hard. You know, I don't know if he sticks to shortstop for me, maybe maybe more of a third baseman, but the athleticism plays. He'd be a big big second baseman at what six two one eighty five. Can run a little bit. I'm sure you could stick him in the outfield as well, even at the next next level. Um, but what a what a tremendous athlete, and he was one of the standouts for me. Yeah, I like what you said there, Doe. 6'2", 185, but it's, it's a really thin 185. 
So it looks like there's going to be, you know, obviously you can add a little more mass. And then, you know, obviously, you know, when you see his dad, his dad's about 6'3", 6'4". So uh, Jacob may not be done growing. But, I mean, look, he, he, he had a 95 exit velo with that frame. I mean, you can dream on what that frame is going to be like with, you know, 30 pounds and, and 40 pounds in, in four years, right? So, uh, yeah, Jacob Gonzalez. And then for me, the last guy I want to touch on and uh, a guy I got to see in the spring uh, and, and then again at our pro case up in NorCal uh, and then obviously here at the Area Code Games is uh, one of the fastest risers in the state uh, at Oakmont High School, TJ Nichols, a right-handed pitcher. Former Sac State commit uh, is now committed to Arizona. He climbs all the way to number 15 in the rankings. And this is a guy that, based on what you're seeing from velocity, from spin rates, because that's accessible at the area code games, just and then you add the physical component and what he does mechanically with the arm, uh, and it is just projection city. Uh, pardon the pun, but uh, yeah, he this guy is just going to be an outstanding guy moving forward. Uh, Doe, I think this is your first look on him, right? And and if so, what would you see on him? Certainly is really impressed, and I'm glad you mentioned you know the, the projection piece 63 170. I mean, imagine 30 pounds on this kid, uh, the arm plays. And it's loose, and I, I tell you what, deserving of the of the rise in the rankings, Ryan. And uh, you've seen him obviously, you know, more than we have. So, but but at first impressions for me, T.J. Nichols and Arizona has got a really good one here. Yeah, absolutely. And Arizona's been doing a heck of a job getting that 2020 class uh, locked up for themselves. Uh, yeah, he's a guy that this spring was really, really good. Um, you know, when we saw him in the Fresno Easter Classic, he was, I think, 92, maybe 94. And then he comes out to the area codes. He's 93, 95, touching 96. Um, and there's still more in there. Like you said, it's 170. It's real thin. It's real skinny. Uh, he could be 200 pounds here in the next two years and, and adds even more to it. Um, but the arm is just lightning. It's, it's really quick. It gets through. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about two-way guys with Jared Jones. TJ Nichols is that same way. I mean, he's a shortstop for this uh, Oakmont team, can swing it as well. Um, so then he hops on the mound and adds that to it. I mean, obviously the mound is where, probably where the projection comes from, but uh, that athleticism just plays up everything. And uh, Les, I loved how you talked about the spin rate because, uh, man, it shows in his slider. That slider has got some serious bite, and I know that might have been your first or second time looking at it, but what were your thoughts on his off-speed and the other stuff as well? Well, I was just really impressed with seeing him. So we saw him, you mentioned him at the Fresno Easter Classic, where, again, we saw him play shortstop really, really well. Uh, we, Blaine and I got to see him pitch that last day against Buchanan, and the slider really stood out then. Then we saw him again at our pro case up in NorCal, and you know he served up that one bomb to Mike, Big Mike Brown, and you know what does he do? He comes right back with the same pitch to the next guy and gets a weak round out. So that told me a little something. And then we saw the slider here, and I mean, you know, close to a twenty one hundred RPM spin rate on that slider. Uh, you know, I'm not super into all of that analytics in terms of what that translates to but the guy sitting next to me seemed to be pretty impressed with that and he knows a thing or two on that and it's just the dive on the slider right I mean it starts right on out of the same tunnel same slot as the fastball and then it just just dies away from righties and if you're a lefty I mean good luck if he starts at middle in because that thing's just going to break on your back foot 
Yeah, absolutely. That's one of those ones again. And uh, I think that the most impressive part for me with the slider is the feel for it, being able to throw it early in the count on guys. Uh, you know, I threw, he threw a couple early on accounts on guys and it kind of buckled a couple righties because like you said, it's, it's one of those ones it's late. It's the bites there. Um, and one of those ones where if you're looking fastball and all of a sudden you get the slider, you're, you're not going to make hard contact on that pitch right there. So uh, I think there's still tremendous growth for this kid. I think he's got a chance to be, uh, maybe in the top 10, maybe in the top five, if he keeps pitching the way he has and, and the velocity keeps making the jump. Um, it's one of those ones. It's a very impressive arm and it's got a chance to keep getting better. Agreed. I mean, we could talk about this guy all day. I think I'm going to switch over to the SoCal side and the Brewers guys and um, talk about a couple guys and you can interject here that we don't really get to talk about a whole bunch because you know what? They live in Hawaii and those guys on the island really, really impressed this year. I'm going to I'm going to mention two names and you guys can take it away from here. Walter Ahuna, the third infielder, six foot, 155 from Hilo, Hawaii. And Kalai Rosario, the outfielder, 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, just the, the kid is flat-out hitter. He ended up winning the home run derby at the area code game, so impressive showing of power. But, guys, tell me a little bit about what you guys have on these two. Yeah, I'll help you out here, though. I mean, one of those ones, Rosario, like you said, the, the power is definitely in the bat. Um, you know, winning the home run derby, you could see it in some of the balls he hit during the games. Uh, he was one of those guys, another guy who just put quality at bats together and, and drove balls really hard. I think I had one of them at 101 on an exit velo, um, one of them at 103 on an exit velo. Uh, so he just finds barrels. And one of the things I was really impressed with was kind of the speed. It's one of those, it's a bigger 200 pounds. It's it's full uh, wide shoulders, but he got down the line a couple of times with some really good numbers. I had him like 429, 430 uh, down the line. Those are some big numbers for a guy his size with his bat skills as well yeah what i what i was really impressed with rosario is you know obviously we got to see him a couple times at the tryout and was really really impressive there but in the in the game i want to say it was the first game uh he got the start and it got i mean this is how quickly he got my attention he took a 93 mile an hour fastball that was i mean it was on the outer half if not outside of the plate and drove it into right uh right field for a single you know, it was 97 off the bat. And that kind of set the tone for him, I think, all week. Because like Ryan said, he just seemed to have a knack for getting the barrel on the ball and driving it with authority. Uh, I think we had a 106 as the high uh, exit velocity on him for the week. And I mean, gosh, that, I mean, and the frame is big. It's a thicker frame. It's a fuller frame, like Ryan's described. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, when Cal Baptist committed him, uh, they were pretty pumped. Uh, you know, I just I don't know that, that he's going to make it to campus. But uh, if he does, he's one of those guys that, like you talked about earlier, Ryan, is a program changer. And I think Ahuna is the same way because Ahuna might have been might have been the best infielder for the Brewers, in my opinion, defensively and just kind of instincts and the way he attacks balls and the way he works on the dirt uh, was something that was really, really fun to watch for me. You know, then you add the the speed that he has and, uh, you know, and his ability to drive balls into gaps as well. Uh, but for me, defensively, uh, he was a lot of fun to watch both at the tryout and during the area code games. Yeah, 100%. I mean, what do they say, guys? I think you got to hit to get off the island. And Kalai, you know, fits that bill, no doubt. I mean, this guy's barrel stays in the zone for forever, what it seems like. So, you know, he's not going to be striking out a whole bunch. I mean, that's, you know, high-level bat-the-ball guy. 
um, strong BABIP numbers, which is balls, batting average for balls in play. Um, but, you know, they say you got to hit to get off an island, but Ahuna, man, he can certainly pick it. One of the most athletic guys on the team. He made some really incredible plays and made them look really easy. So Ahuna was a standout for me. You know, 155, 155 pounds, six feet. So, you know, there's going to be some more growth there and strength. And um, just really impressed with some of the Hawaii guys this year. And we don't get to talk about them a whole bunch. No, we don't. And I think there were there was what there was seven in the area code games, both the upper class and the underclass, or something like that. And I mean that really bodes well for this, you know, baseball in the state of Hawaii, uh, no doubt. I, I mean, I was really, really impressed with the talent that was representing the state of Hawaii. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's one of those ones that we know those guys that in Hawaii do a really good job. We've seen it kind of with their uh, their development program as they've had some of those teams go to the World Series and like the Little League World Series. Uh, so that's good to see. It's great to get some of those guys out. Uh, and if need be, I mean, I volunteer as tribute to go to Hawaii and cover that if we need it. Well, I mean, you're you're on the list right behind about 14 other people. So but I do <laughs> I do appreciate you. You offering uh, offering that uh, that. So let, let's shift over to the, the rankings real quick and let's just talk about uh, biggest risers. And if you got something on these guys, you know, let, let, let's fire away. Uh, one of the biggest risers in the rankings is an, another area code guy. And uh, checking in at number 14 is Kyle Karos. Uh, guy we saw at the pro case though we saw a bunch during the season obviously russ uh covering him there in the south bay a lot but uh initial thoughts on him ryan i know that's probably your first time you saw him uh but just your initial thoughts on him and uh and then we'll just kind of move down this this list here sure absolutely yeah kyle was one of those guys first guy seeing it uh the bloodlines obviously there he kind of fits that same profile as his dad uh corner type of guy uh, third base, first base. The arms good enough to sit at third base. Uh, he moves pretty well over there. Uh, first base maybe the long term play there, but the power is definitely in the bat. Uh, you know, during BP he was squaring balls up and it was taken off. Um, as he gets a little bit more strength into the frame, it's probably going to take off even more. Uh, it's one of those big, big builds that I really like. Uh, long and lean, squared up. Uh, it's, it's projectable. And it's one of those guys that you know that Miracosa team's got another guy coming down there from up here and, and Petey Halpin that's going to help them out and uh, that's going be a fun team to watch for you guys down in 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 the spring yeah just yeah. talking with sorry go ahead though no it's just i was agreeing with ryan regarding the projection there obviously i think you're right and when you say he's going to be you know probably a future first baseman there and and i think he's just growing into his body and um you know and what what it would I said it before when when he was at a pro case. I mean, it's just it's it's impressive, and you just know when you see you know twenty five pounds of muscle on that thing, it, it it can be scary. And and if he wants to concentrate on on putting the bat on the ball and 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 doing that, I think first base is is going to be his his calling. Yeah, I think I think the important thing to consider with Karos is his age. He's really young for his class. He either just turned 17 or he's about to turn 17. So that obviously bodes really well when you consider, you know, the draft element of things for him uh, potentially. Uh, another guy that is uh, uh, one of the bigger risers in our 2020 rankings, checking in at number 28, outfielder Nathan Nankill. He's a Cal State Fullerton commit out of Bonita Vista High School. Uh, down in San Diego, for me, is a guy who I thought had an absolute lock on one of the outfield positions uh, for the uh, Brewers uh, area co-team. Uh, just really athletic, 
I mean, Flash is power. The power is starting to come a little more consistently. Ryan, I don't, I'm not sure if you've seen him. Uh, Doe, I know you saw him at the tryout. Uh, but uh, what do you guys got? Yeah, not a guy I've seen yet, so uh, I'm going based on what you guys have said. But uh, any type of time you get an athlete with that type of power coming in there, that that's always one that's fun to see. So I'll let you guys talk more about him. Yeah, we've seen him now less for you know a couple of years, and I think he was he's one of those um, you know summer ball showcase guys on the circuit that that always performed. And and man, he's made some really good gains as far as his strength is concerned. Now I remember seeing him as a sophomore. Uh, you know, putting balls out too. And if like, I love what you said regarding the consistency of his power and, and, and I was right there with you. I thought he had a really fantastic shot of, of, of making that team. So um, really good things uh, to come here for Nathan Nankill. Cal State Fullerton's getting a good one and going to be really exciting to watch him his senior year. Yeah, another guy that is I'm excited about getting up into the Sacramento area this spring to see again, uh, who we were fortunate enough to see not only at our pro case, but also at the area code games. Uh, and that's left-handed pitcher Rio Britton uh, checks in at number 38. I mean, it's pretty much the classic left-handed delivery. It's just it's smooth. Uh, he can get up to 91. Didn't really have his stuff at the area code games in his outing, uh, but is one of those guys that is a a spin rate guy, if you will. Um, you know, had him at like 2,300 RPMs on the fastball, which uh, I guess is about uh, 2400 is about a uh, big league average so a uh, pretty good indication there uh, that real britain uh, a guy uh, you know don't I, that you saw at the area code games what'd you, what'd you think of him yeah i know just projectable and I, I love your comment you made the buttery smooth kind of delivery and you know stuff up to 91 and it's just it like you said it drips projectability and you know your classic left-handed delivery guy uh just fantastic now gonna be another awesome one to watch in his senior year yeah and up here we're gonna definitely have to make a trip through sacramento a couple a uh, couple weeks here because there's a lot of talent coming out of sacramento and uh real is just one of those guys that's at the top of our list right now as one of those risers um fastball's great the slider's getting really good uh the changeup is going to be a good third pitch you know oregon's got the got to believe that the projections there which is what we're all seeing as well um he's the type of guy that i think is one of those another ones that can have more velocity jump and uh from the left side that can make a huge difference because uh, of the draft coming up as well yeah, and then uh, one last guy in the rankings that saw a bit of a climb is the right-handed pitcher out of Valencia High School, Arizona commit Ryan Kaiser. Uh, I know we saw Kaiser at the tryout. We saw Kaiser actually back in January at the uh, J. Sarah MLK team camp uh, tournament deal that, that Coach K puts on uh, and was really, really good, and Shooter Hunt was in town, and Shooter fell in love with him. Uh, Kaiser had some personal stuff uh, off the field. His father passed away, and so he didn't – then he had a little bit of an injury, so he didn't pitch much in the spring. But, man, he was he was back and, and looking really good, not only at the tryout, uh, but at the uh, at the area code games themselves. And, and you want to talk about – a spin rate guy. I mean, we're talking spin rates of close to 2,600, uh, which is pretty, pretty elite, you know, and then he's also touching 88, 89. Uh, Ryan, yeah. give me initial thoughts and then Doe, uh, I'll have you close it out with him. 
yeah, I like the three pitch mix. The curveball and the change were decent. Uh, have some projectability in those. The curveball, especially, uh, I really liked that one. I thought it had some late break to it. Uh, the fastball, like you said, uh, it's funny. We kind of mentioned like a Bowers style delivery uh, in the sense of he really rides that backside and can get the arm out. Uh, he's a guy that I can definitely see some projection coming in from that. Uh, another one of those Arizona 2020s, man, that he's been doing a great job getting in all into this class. Yeah, the the Arizona Arizona is killing it with the 2020 pitchers. I mean, unless you talked about the spin rate with this guy, and he's one of these guys that has, is just he can spin it with the best of them, and and that's you know you can project that. And uh, you know Arizona, I, I'll tell you what, man, they got some kind of secret sauce going over there, getting getting these pitchers. But uh, and you know you hope they get the campus. Uh, uh, half of them you just don't know because they make go in the draft. So you know Ryan Kaiser really impressive. Yeah, I definitely like Kaiser uh, on the mound. He he was good. Uh, one last guy that that saw his rankings climb significantly significantly is uh, Isaiah Marquez out of San Dimas High School, Long Beach State commit. Uh, just, I mean, the bat is really starting to come together for this guy. I did it last spring. Uh, he carried that over. It was just okay at the tryout, and that's fine. I think he's a guy that is going to go to college there at Long Beach State and really blossom under that new staff. And, Ryan, uh, not sure that you've seen him, uh, but, Doe, I know you have. Uh, give us your take on, on Isaiah Marquez. Yeah, Doe, I'll let you talk about him because I haven't seen him yet. Yeah, unless this is just kind of a you know a, a movie that we've seen before. Isaiah Marquez, athleticism, strength, uh, projectability, uh, plays hard, can play multiple positions. Uh, Long Beach has got a good one. We talked to him, talked about him at length regarding our pro case. He had a great standout pro case for us there over at Hart Park. And you know, just you know, the superlatives. You just keep going and and going and just an outstanding kid so high character type of a kid and we just think the world of him and you know athleticism is just kind of what what stands out for me yeah i agree with you there the the body looks the part already um let's talk about commits by position just really quick these are we're talking about primary positions we talked about uh, when you look at this list, you can see how it plays out on everything we just discussed on this podcast, right? So you got five first basemen, five second basemen, uh, 18 third basemen, 42 shortstops, uh, 15 left-handed pitchers, 37 outfielders, 54 right-handed pitchers, and then 25 catchers uh, made the list. So uh, an eighth of the rankings are catchers, and it just goes to that depth that we talked about earlier with the catching position, and not only in the state, but it seems like nationally, right, guys? I mean, we're see- what we're seeing with catchers now is, is really impressive. I'm super impressed with the catching classes that are that are here for 220, and, and the ones that are coming up behind them. I think these guys are are obviously, you know, your catcher, your field general general you see everything in front of you and i'm just really impressed with some of the guys that are taking the uh, responsibility of uh, of that position it's tough sometimes you have to call your own game sometimes you gotta you know make adjustments with with pitching coaches uh it's and i'm just so impressed with the catching it and i think it it, sh- it says where where baseball is is going i think it's, it's it's growing i think guys are learning more about the game or thinking they're understanding the game better and, and it starts with the catching position i mean you everything's in front of you 
Yeah, do I agree with what you said completely? And I think the the thought that we're talking about with the athleticism behind the plate is really huge because, you know, growing up in the 90s and, and seeing the baseball there, most of the time the catchers there were the big physical dudes who could either throw or could could hit a little bit. Uh, and then you had some of those guys that were just mainly defensive guys. And you're starting to see the catcher position kind of become a blend of both of those where it's got some guys who can really hit uh, and some more guys who can really defend and, and catch and throw stuff is really taking off. Uh, I think one of the things that's been really positive for the catcher position is so many guys who have played the game as catchers, uh, giving back to those kids and trying to help them understand what's needed to be successful at that position. Um, plus, not only that, you have all the analytics that are going into catching nowadays um, and framing and blocking and run saved and those types of things. Uh, and that's important. You know, At the end of the day, uh, when a game's becoming a very driven by home runs and by scoring runs that way uh, and with so many different arms, you need catchers that can go and handle that type of stuff. Uh, and it's really impressive to see, like you said, Doe, not only this class, but the next couple classes as well uh, one thing i want to talk about can we talk about all these schools that have huge commits a uh, number of commits i mean it's one of those ones beforehand i always thought maybe five or six guys for a class but we see some of these schools that are getting 10 11 12 guys coming from the same you know 2020 class that's huge to me i'm, I'm glad you brought that up ryan because that was going to be i was going to shift into that next and we're looking at six schools that have uh, 10 commits or more. So Arizona, Long Beach State, and USC each have 10. Santa Barbara has 11. San Diego State and UCLA have 12 in this class that are ranked. And that's one of the things, that's one of the comments and one of the questions we get asked a lot is, how is it that a school can do this, right? Well, I mean, in theory, a school can have as many commits as they want so long as they don't exceed the 11.7 Scott player, you know, scholarships that they're issuing, right? So in theory, they can have, right, uh, as many commits as they want. The other thing is that not all commits are alike, right? So just because a player says, I'm committed to play baseball at UCLA, we don't know the particulars. Nobody knows the particulars outside of the coaching staff in the athletic department at UCLA and that kid and his family, right? So just because a kid says, I'm committed to UCLA, we don't know if he's committed there on academic money. We don't know if he's committed there to walk on. Uh, we don't know if he's committed there on any sort of financial aid. We don't know if he's committed there because he's actually on a baseball scholarship. So it's really important, when I think, when we see that to have that kind of basis of understanding because, look, San Diego State and UCLA and Arizona and Long Beach State, SC and Santa Barbara, these guys, look, that's great. They have 10 commits, 11 commits, 12 commits. But again, just because a kid is committed doesn't mean that he is getting baseball money to be committed to a particular institution. So I think that's an important factor. Doe, I mean, you're around this just as much with your scout ball team and, you know, obviously with PBR and, uh, you know, with players and college coaches. I mean, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I uh, the, one of the first points you made was, you know, how do these how do these guys do it? Well, I, I'm going to tell you how they do it. They 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 bust their hump doing it. And when you go out to these tournaments, these games, these showcases, uh, the, the 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 cast of characters is is the same. And guess what? They're the same schools that we're seeing on commitments by the school. You know, we see Savage out there front and center early. We see Joe at San Diego State. We know Jay Johnson and the guys at the new staff at Long Beach State are are busting their hump. They're pounding the pavement. They're getting out there. They're making relationships. 
and and that's how they're doing it. They're they're just flat out working hard. I mean, we could I could and, and they're not the only ones. Les and and Ryan, Nevada, San Diego, Stanford, Cal State, Fullerton, Washington. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And you see these faces there. I mean, they're present. They are there. That's how they're doing it. I think the last thing we always got to remember is the MLB draft is a huge is a huge part of that as well because you know there's some guys that we know that they might be committed to a school but there's very very like less likely chance that they're going to get to that school because of their draft status and because of where they fit nationally uh, and I think that's a big one to kind of go into it as well. There are some schools that do a better job of getting those kids uh, into co- into campus and sometimes you see one of those guys who's like a first rounder and all of a sudden he goes and, and gets to college. It's one of those ones that's very rare nowadays but it still does happen so. Uh, kudos to the schools that go out and pound the pavement. Like we said, uh, we love seeing them out there. Uh, and it's one of those ones, the commitment levels, uh, for these kids, it, it all comes down to is finding a fit for them. And if that means a fit financial aid wise, uh, from baseball money, whatever it comes down to, uh, kudos to them to finding the school that they feel like is a fit for them. I'm glad you brought up that point about the draft, Ryan, because we talked about it a little bit here during the podcast about, well, Hey, you know, they'll be stoked if these two guys get to school or if this guy gets to school and, you know, when you're talking about those top-end guys, which you look at UCLA's commit list, for example, you're talking about Harrison, you're talking about well, Soderstrom, you're talking about Ratchik, you, you know, you're talking about these guys that are those elite guys. I mean, boom, all of a sudden there's three. So there's a quarter of your recruiting class is gone. So now guess what? Coach Savage and, and Nico and Coach Ward, those guys are going back to their notes, uh, you know, and looking for guys that may be uncommitted that they like. So it's, it's just a never-ending process. And you know, speaking of never-ending process, it, it it seems that way for us, right? And the other question we get asked is. Uh, you know, we had some feedback on on some so- social media this week after we released our rankings, and it was, you know, not not all positive. And I get it; like rankings aren't there to make everybody happy. And, and one of the comments that we heard that that really, uh, you know, pardon my language, pissed me off uh, was that our rankings are pay pay to appear, uh, and and nothing could be further from the truth uh, because that just shows you the depth and the work and the grind that we do uh, to be able to identify those guys. Um, and so for me, it's just, it's, it's, it's an ongoing process. It's an evolution, right? I mean, we are going to really update these things two or three more times before the draft comes. So, uh, you know, I think people get really excited and get really animated. Uh, and quite frankly, some people get really aggressive uh, when it comes to rankings. Uh, but, you know, I feel confident knowing that our team of scouts have been out there since January 5th when we ran our preseason All-State pounding the pavement to identify these guys. And, and you know, that's a testament to what you guys do as well. So thanks. Yeah, thanks, Les. I mean, I, it, what, what you said there couldn't have been more accurate, obviously. I mean, we're out there pounding the pavement. And, and, you know, talking about the rankings, it's, you know, it's it's just a number. And like you said, we're going to be updating these things three times. And I think it just kind of sparks a conversation. And, and that's and that's healthy. Um, you know, I, I see... I see a player one way, Ryan sees a player another way, you less you see another player the other way. And it's just, you know, our opinion. And I think it really sparks a conversation, a positive conversation at that. I know people get heated, but the rankings are are, are, are just a number. So 
Yeah, I think, and that's one of those ones that goes, like you said, Les, goes back to the fact that we have so many people out on the ground on a regular basis, uh, and all those voices come into these rankings. You know, like Doe just said, Doe might see something in a guy, and I might not see the same type of thing. Uh, when we have six, seven guys out on the pavement, uh, all coming back together, talking about this, and then saying, hey, this is my guy who I think is pretty good. Hey, I, I got to fight for this guy. Um, that's where it comes down to in the rankings. And it, what it looks like for all of us is this is just our prep list. This is our group of guys that we feel like fit the best uh, accordingly to what we've seen. Um, that's not to say that somebody's bad or somebody's worse because they're a lower ranking. It's just saying, hey, we like this other guy a little bit more. Um, and like you said, I think we're going to give you a chance to do this more often um, after this uh, fall here, maybe right before spring again. So you could say a guy who all of a sudden makes a huge jump right in the spring and all of a sudden is, you know, an 86 guy. Now he's all of a sudden 92. Well, that's going to play into where he sits in the rankings uh, and where we kind of see the the outcome coming here in the next two, three, four years as well. Right. And so for us, like the rankings, that's kind of how it works. Right. So we'll we'll release rankings right before the start of spring. We'll release rankings at the end of spring uh, and then we'll update again, uh, you know, about now. And, and the reason being is you talked about, you know, what happens when a guy pops up in the fall and the winter? Well, well, you have the other guy that says, well, that never happens. Well, guess what? Andrew Dahlquist, right? I mean, look at that guy went from throwing 83 to 84 to all of a sudden was, you know, 95 by the time the spring hit this past year and he blew up last fall. Uh, and that's just kind of how it is. So it gives us an opportunity to get out and see those guys and make adjustments to the rankings because it's an it's an ever-evolving piece and it's a flowing piece and you know like you said Dill, i'm glad you brought it up it's it more than anything it's a discussion talk it's a discussion point it's not i mean it's just the way we see it right i mean somebody else might see it entirely different but what we have is the advantage of again a number of bodies not only in our state but we got the advantage of having a guy you know, like Shooter Hunt and Nathan Rohde that come to our state four, five, six times a year and see these guys so we have their view on things too. So it's just, it's an ever evolving piece where, you know, we've got a lot of uh, way uh, differing, not maybe not differing opinions, but certainly on some guys there's differing opinions. But you know, rankings are what they are and, and they're, they're kind of a necessary evil uh, in today's society. Wouldn't you think so? Uh, agreed 100 percent. i'll give you another pop-up guy keona cavaco wow <laughs> you know i mean the guy just meteoric rise you know last fall and just and this is how things are this is just the the way it is and so um you know we support everything that goes on with with, with our rankings and as i said before there's it's just a, a discussion point yeah, yeah I one thing i want to add too is just the fact that you know, at the college level, they kind of rank guys as well. It's the same idea with the major league guys. When you get to a draft board, that's all it is. It's rankings. It's guys that you feel like are preferences to what fits your organization and what fits your ball club. Um, so it's one of those ones, you know, I can see why some people get upset about it or a little bit frustrated by their rankings. Uh, to me, if that's the case, learn and, and grow from it. Take it and, and keep getting better. And like you said, if you're one of those guys that's a lower guy and you feel like you should be higher, let's see you go do it this spring and then we'll pop you up the rankings just as yeah. much. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I love what you said regarding you know our preference list, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, uh, you know, the the spring and into the summer has just given us a barometer and a preference list to start from you know uh, in 2020 in the fall, and and that and that's really all it is. It's just getting ourselves prepped and ready for for the new class. Yeah, no, no doubt. So that. 
that's the uh, the 2020 rankings, guys. I thought we were going to have time to jump into the underclass area code games. We're going to have to come back for another podcast on that one. Uh, we we went a little long here talking about this this great uh, upper class area code teams and then the the rankings. So, guys, I just want to thank you guys for for carving out some time to hop on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a pleasure talking with you guys about what we see in the state of California. Thanks, guys. It was awesome. Yeah, be sure to check us out, prepbaseballreport.com slash California. You can hit us up at PBR underscore California on Instagram or on Twitter, excuse me, and at PBR California on Instagram. Uh, And as always, until next time, we'll see you at the yard.